So today on the Lead Lamp Podcast, I'm here with Sarah, the owner of Conhaus Print and Marketing. And Sarah has a little bit of a unique journey as to how she started at Conhaus and now owns it. So Sarah, just give us a little bit of an introduction on just how you came about working there and now owning it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, so prior to starting at Conhaus, I worked for a local plumbing and HVAC company and I started as their dispatcher and then started handling a lot of their marketing. And I learned very quickly I was good at marketing and, um, I wanted to be able to do more than just one industry. So at the time I was a customer of Conhaus and I actually went to the previous owners, Paul and Melissa, and they were not hiring, but I put a good sales pitch on and sold myself and they created a position for me. And I started in 2010, I was their results specialist. And I pretty much just spent the first couple of years getting out and about, people already knew the name, um, but just like re-educating them on what we do and and who all works for us and so forth. And then uh, I would say around 2013, uh, the wife started having some health issues and she left the company. And uh, very quickly, I learned that she was a very important part of the puzzle for the company. And so I was sent to a association conference for print owners. So you can imagine like early 20s, young girl, not a print owner going to an exclusive print owner conference to With learn. only a few years under your belt. Too. Yeah. Yeah. To learn everything from HR to negotiating, buying equipment, all that good stuff that I knew nothing about so that I could help kind of run the company. And then as time passed, one day I was at one of those conferences and somebody said to me, why are you not the owner? And I just kind of looked at them and I was like, well, I don't know, because I'm not. And they said, well, you should be. What's the future look like for the company? And it was in that moment that it hit me. We've never talked about that. And as a small business, that's a really important question to ask. And so I went back from that and I sat down and I thought really hard and went to the previous owner, Paul, mm -hmm. and said, I'm your buyer. I have no idea if you're interested in selling or not, but I'm your buyer. You owe it to your employees and your customers and this community to know that this company and what it has been started on with the values is going to continue and be the same. And you're giving everyone stability and your customers are not going to lose anything that they're used to getting. And so that started in 2018, 2019 is when I bought the company. Um, and it, it's interesting because as an employee, you tend to talk to each other about the things you can't stand about your company, the things you would love to fix. And I put a lot of unnecessary stress on me in that very first year of business um, because I thought I needed to fix everything that we complained about for so long. Mm -hmm. um, not that it was a lot, but you know, you just, you just feel like doing it. So um, the first year was spent solid doing that. And yeah. Well, so not your typical uh, opening a business kind of journey that 
a lot of people go on. It's not like when you were young, you were like, oh, I'm going to own a print company or print marketing company. Never. <laughs> what kind of was your drive to make this what it is now? So I will tell you that I never graduated college. And when it came time to buy the business, I knew at that point it was either going to be a transition where I was going to leave completely or I was going to try to make something happen. And at the time, when you would look at um, the applications and stuff for a business, they always wanted someone that had so many years of marketing experience yep. or you had to have a college degree. At that point, I had neither. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I that was my option. I needed to to make that happen. And then I bought the company. That's great. And no looking back now. No, you're in it now. <laughs> so what what inspires you on the day-to-day -day basis? What what is your drive for the company and the community? What inspires you every day to do what you do? The people that I surround myself with. My employees and my customers, they're family. Um, they make it very, very easy to do what I do and to love what I do. I love making a difference in the lives of others. And it's fun to see people succeed or grow based on recommendations that you give them. And it's just amazing to, you know, like you hear people complain about their employees sometimes and like just the drama that sometimes falls in an office. Yeah. I am so fortunate that I have none of that. And I think when you treat your people well, they want to work harder for you. And so that just inspires me to keep doing what I'm doing and do it better each day. And I think it's a unique perspective that you had too, being that, like you said, you started as an employee and you were able to make connections with people that you worked with, not as an owner. And then, like you said, know the struggles that they go through every day and try to make it better. So I think that's definitely a unique perspective in the business world. I, I, I'm sure not a lot of people have that same experience just working with the same people and then becoming the owners, I'm sure is more unheard of. Yeah, it's, it's very unusual. <laughs> but so what... What are some of the values that you have for your company and for the people that you work with? It's very simple. We treat others the way we want to be treated. And when I first graduated high school, I actually worked for Williams Sonoma. And Chuck Williams, who is the founding owner of that, who has since passed, most amazing man that I've ever met in my life. And Everything that I do at that company now at Conhaus mm -hmm. is based on what I learned from working at his hmm. company. And that was when we, when people would call in, it was a catalog place. Uh, they had stores as well, but we worked in the catalog center. When people would call in to place an order in a sales catalog, you were trained to know what was on the front cover of that catalog. You were trained to know what was on every single page. Hmm. There was rooms that we could walk to and touch and feel and describe the color to things. And so I just became very aware of that and the customer service, not making, not making people wait and then just not questioning people. Like if something's not right, you got to fix it. You got to make it better. Mm -hmm. And I just have taken a lot from that and the, and the way he treated his employees too, that has been carried over into the way that I treat my employees. Good. So with that, what would you say an obstacle was or your main obstacle 
whew, I think we might need another podcast for this one. <laughs> um, Obstacles are a big, a big point. I definitely. So here's what I'll tell you. I bought the company in 2019. Mm -hmm. I spent the first year pretty much giving up my life, not hanging out with family, friends, mm -hmm. and just got down and dirty really, really. I mean, I already knew the books because I was doing so much, but like, it's different when you're told and you sign that paper and it's official that like, you're the reason why someone gets a paycheck. That makes a big difference. So yeah. I worked and worked and worked. And I told myself going into 2020, okay, the past year I have passed on so many opportunities to do fun things. 2020, I am going to learn that work-life balance Yes, and spending time with people and just making the most of every moment. 2020, January, I start off with going to a trade show, come back, do a presentation, sharing about my journey in my first year as a business owner. Came through that, and a couple days later, I had ankle reconstructive surgery. Oh, geez. Still laid up for another eight weeks of not doing anything. And if you think about that timeline, it takes us right up to exactly when COVID started. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> so, for a new business owner. Yes. So that was a lot of fun. And it was interesting because the things that I just told you going into 2020 that I was envisioning of doing I couldn't do. Everything was virtual. You couldn't be around people. You couldn't do things. Um, my rehab was very, very rough. I couldn't do half the rehab I needed to do because things were shut down. So something that should have taken me like six months took 18 months to recover through that. And as a business owner, it doesn't matter what's going on in your personal life. Oh, yeah. Business has to go on. So uh, that was interesting, yeah. having a lot of pain and just pushing myself through that and then trying to keep everybody sane at the company, making them feel safe, making sure our customers felt safe, losing business, trying to learn how to adjust. That was interesting. And then in the middle of all of that, we got a new landlord and was told we had to find a new space. And so in the middle of a pandemic on top of already dealing with my ankle, I had to look for new space. Jeez and move the entire company in the middle of all of that. And um, yeah, so that's just a few obstacles that... <laughs> not an obstacle you would ever have expected or could have even prepared for. No, not at all. And January this year, I made it five years. And that was that was a very emotional day and celebration because I actually... You just work in survival mode sometimes. Oh, yeah. And when you stop and reflect and sit back, I was like, dang. How... Like just remembering back to where you started and like yeah. how drastically different your life was, I'm sure it's just crazy. Yeah. And just to know, like, not only did you have obstacles in the business world, like you had a physical obstacle too with an injury and then the global pandemic, like it's just crazy. Not something anyone could ever predict or prepare you for, even if you did go to school for it or yep. all that. So it is, it is really cool to hear how you pivoted and made it work and just figured it all out. Like now, crazy. in terms of where you are now, if you had to give yourself some advice, you know, 10 years ago, your 10 years ago self, what would you have said or done differently to kind of better prepare yourself for where you are now or? 
it's funny, I, I actually texted my 11-year-old niece to ask her perspective of me at that age. Mm-hmm. And of course, she didn't get back to me because she's at school. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought it through and I was going through old paperwork and like school papers. And I came across something where it said, what's something you want people to know about you? And I hand wrote at that age or somewhere right around that age, people will learn to listen because I have something to say. And I just laughed when I saw that um, because not only with people listening, but I would say at that early age, listen, soak it up, take in Mm -hmm. every opportunity to learn anything and everything. My nieces and nephews are my world. And I talk to them a lot about considering, you know, like going to Votech, Mm -hmm. learning something you know, maybe they don't want to be an electrician, but learning how to do electrical work to sometimes do things like that at your house, just being open to the opportunities that are out there and learn and Mm -hmm. ask questions. And most importantly, listen and learn. Like at 10, you don't know all the answers. In your 20s, you don't know all your answers. Your 30s, you don't know all your answers. But yeah, just take up as much as you can when you're younger. Try things, see what you're good at. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, I've been to career fairs with kids and, you know, I asked them, do you like making your own Halloween costume? If so, versus like going and just buying one, you're a creative soul. Yeah. Explore creative avenues. Yeah. Learn how to do things hands on. Yeah. That's a great, that's great advice. Yeah. So I guess on that note, similarly, like you said, you've gone to career fairs, this and that, you've obviously inserted yourself pretty well in the local community. Um, What would you say are some of your favorite things to do for the community or just impact you and your company have made on the community? So during COVID, at the beginning of it, I said to myself, Sarah, like, what's one thing that you can control? Because there was a lot of stuff we could not control. And I said, I can use my voice and do the best that I can to encourage people to keep their dollars local. And so we partnered with a local credit union and we kicked off the Keep It Local initiative and really, really encouraged the community at large to get out there and support your local businesses. Or before you think about buying things or using a service online, is there somebody local Mm -hmm. that you could be supporting and keeping that money because my customers choose to work with me, I am able to give back so much more into my community with all the nonprofits that I work with. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what I thrive on. I just love seeing our community at large do well. And, and you know, small business is, is a lot behind that. Yeah. I feel like we're similar values in that as well. And that's why we like working with you and your team just because... I feel like a lot of the things that we for Lead Lamp value, you guys value as well. And it's been nice um, working together because like if you do a certain initiative like that, then, you know, it brings us into it. And then we kind of are able to help, too. And then it's just bringing the whole community together as a whole. I feel like you are a very like driving person in that. And, you know, I, I lost my dad back in 2015 and. Growing up, we were always very giving to others. And my dad told me, we do that because we never know when we may need that service or we might need that help. That's great. 
And that has always been in me. And that is why I do, you know, like the stuff with even adoption and foster care. I have no idea what the future, you know, holds. Maybe I will be involved with that someday, but there's a reason why I'm giving back or why I help with, you know, a food bank or, or whatever the situation may be. It, yep. A lot of that comes from that. That's great. Yeah. Are there any other notes or comments you'd want to make just in terms of, you know, your journey as a whole to becoming a business owner to young entrepreneurs or even women in business, any types of advice other than what you've already touched on or anything in terms of giving back that you'd want to touch on? So I guess I would say when we were in grade school, we were always taught to do, to get to that next level and to do better. Like you had to keep going up the chain in a company. That's not always true. Find what you're good at and stick with that. If not everyone is meant to be a manager or a leader and that's okay. Mm -hmm. My husband is a shining example of it. He's in construction. He doesn't want to be a supervisor doing paperwork. He loves to be in heavy equipment digging holes and he is happy when he does that. You put papers in front of him, it's a total different experience. Oh, yeah. So I, there are even days where I say to myself, well, yeah, like I am okay at a business owner. doesn't mean I want to do it, but I do it because obviously I have to. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm just saying like, just really think it through. And if you decide to go the route of being a business owner, mm -hmm. it's not something you can just easily walk away from. Mm -hmm. So you really need to look at your future and what you have in place personally and professionally to see if um, your life al allows you to have that type of an opportunity yeah. and and to just be honest with yourself. And, and sometimes like, I feel like people like say they love animals. They may feel like they have to go to veterinarian school to, yeah. to work at a vet's office and they might not be any good at it. They might, they might hate science, might, whatever. But is there another way that you can get involved with helping animals that will fulfill that love that you have in, in your heart for it. And sometimes that's working another nine to five job, but being able to volunteer in the evening at a rescue. So just having that mindset of really like stepping out of what you're looking for and just think like, is, is there another way that I can do what I still love, but not make a whole career out of it? Yeah, that's a really unique perspective, I guess. I would agree in terms that, you know, society these days just kind of seems like, Exactly like you said, you start off here, then you move up, then you move up, then you move up. But to your your point, you have to really love what you do and be focused on that. So I think that's great advice. The other thing I would say is surround yourself with people that will support you. And that is your family and that is your friends. But most importantly in business, like nobody in my family has an entrepreneur background. Mm other than my one uncle. And so like through COVID, it was very hard because my, like my family didn't understand in, to begin with what it was like to run a business, to see all those extra oh, yeah. stressors. Um, but I learned- to give you input or advice. Right, yeah. right. But I had so many friends that were business owners mm. that I was thankful that I could lean on them. So having diverse groups of people in your life, I think are really, really important to be there to pick you up at any time when you need it and be able to fill that little cup that might be empty and just remind you to keep going. No, that's great. Well, Sarah, 
I think we'll wrap up for today. Um, I appreciate you coming on and sharing all these insights with us. And um, we just appreciate having you on the show. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you.